grateful that you chose to join us here today. And if you're watching online, we're so glad that you're engaging with us and pray that this isn't just a moment where you watch online, but we really pray that the Lord would minister to you through your screen, through your device, through YouTube, through whatever form of media that you're watching on, that that God would break through the screen and speak directly to you in this time. And so we're in the book of Galatians, as you've seen on the screens uh, to my left or right or behind me, and we're walking through this this letter. We're we're in a way being pastored by Paul uh, through his uh, divinely inspired letter written to the Galatian church 2,000 years ago that we can still learn from here today. Last week, we concluded... Uh, chapter one, and we really just spent the last four weeks diving into what Paul has to say to the church in Galatians one. Um, I want to go ahead and pray for us, and then as we open up chapter two, believe the Lord has a word for us here today. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, right now we ask that um, that you would teach us something today. Lord, the last thing we want to do is check a box. God, we know that this church service doesn't earn us right standing before you. God, we're here because we want to know you. But we're here because we want to deepen our relationship. God, we want to enrich our fellowship with you. We want to strengthen our walk with you. So God, would you deposit something into our hearts today through this preaching of your word? Help us to see the gospel clearer. Help us to see ourselves rightly. And God, take us deeper into freedom is my prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The book of Galatians is is an interesting book because it's one of the books where the Apostle Paul feels this burden in his heart right from the jump to to really defend and almost in a way argue for some of the the credibility of his ministry. I'll put this, this quick slide up on the screen about the Apostle Paul. Right from the jump, he's saying, When it comes to the authority for him writing this letter, he says, it came from Jesus, right? If you go back to Galatians chapter one, Paul is arguing, my authority as an apostle, my authority as a church planter, as a pastor, didn't come from myself, it didn't come from Peter, it didn't come from somebody else that said you should do this. In fact, he says, my authority came directly from Jesus. Paul would not have chosen to do it if it was on his own. Jesus called him to do it. And then he says, and my salvation, how I came to know God and how I became a believer out of radical Judaism into being a devoted Christ follower and a pastor, Paul says, that came from Jesus. And then he says, in the message I preached, this gospel, good news, came from Jesus. Amen. The three for three. Do y'all, y'all get the pattern here? He, chapter one is Paul arguing it's not about what others think, what others do, as much as it is about who called you, who gave you the message, who saved you. In other words, turn your eyes off of people and turn your eyes up on Jesus and you'll feel a whole lot better. You'll feel a whole lot stronger. This is Paul's plea from the beginning of the book of Galatians. He says, I didn't call myself to ministry. In fact, I didn't even wake myself up today. It, It was him. And so he's arguing, he's arguing for his authority, he's arguing for the salvation, he's arguing for the message. In fact, he says, if somebody else preaches you a different message than, than Jesus only, if they say Jesus plus, don't listen. D- don't even entertain it in the most loving way. He doesn't say be harsh. He doesn't say 
have a fist fight. He just says, listen, we, we don't believe that there's a plus sign there. So that's the Galatian math. We'll put it up here on the screen. I want to just, this is a quick recap. If you're joining us for the first time, this is the, the two minute version of where we've been for the last three, four weeks. Jesus plus nothing equals enough, right? Equals enough. And, and every week we need to hear, oh, I'm sorry, every single day. In fact, there's two different, two different families in our church. Two different people came up and, and made shirts that have this statement on. They're like, I just want to wear this. I just want to, I need to know it. And I'm like, dope, because we love making merch here. And um, it's a good idea to, to be reminded that Jesus plus nothing, the Galatian church error was Jesus plus. And don't get it twisted like if we're not careful, we won't do the same. And that's why Jesus is arguing, why, why Paul is arguing constantly, and he makes his way into chapter two of the same reminder. So last week we covered the Apostle Paul's testimony. Paul says, the evidence for Jesus plus nothing equals enough. He says, it's even found in my own testimony. And Paul begins to walk us through his, his journey. He shares his testimony with us in the end of chapter one. And, and in, there's four chapters to a good Christian testimony. Do you guys remember what they were? For those who remember, uh, chapter one was the former life. Every testimony should have a former life. Paul says, here's, what I, here's who I was formerly. But then he doesn't stay there in the past. He gets past his past and he moves into chapter two. It's called a but God moment. Everybody should have a but God moment that knows Jesus. It's when God entered into your world and, re and you recognized you were a sinner and you recognized he's a savior. I'm not sure what kind of life you lived. I know the kind of death he died. God jumped into your world and you said, but God jumped right into my mess and started shaking it up. And I recognized, dang, I'm a lot worse than I knew. And he's a lot better than I ever hoped. I'm more sinful and dirty than I actually was giving myself credit for. And Jesus was saying, and I love you the same. And we said, but God, right? And we put our faith in Jesus, N not by what we did, but by completely what he did. And that's when we became a new person and said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. And Jesus saved sinful people like me and you and Paul. And then Paul has a new chapter in his life. He says, here's what I'm doing now. Paul started preaching the gospel. Paul started going to cities he used to persecute, and he started to bring good news. He started to plant churches. He started to write letters. He started to, to do the things that he once hated. Now he's doing the things that he loves for Christ. And the final result of chapter one, the last verse in chapter one, is that people gave God glory for it. People saw what Paul was doing, and they said, man, well, glory to God. And isn't that the hope of our lives? That somebody would look at your life and somebody would look at my life and say, man, I'm going to give God glory for you. That, that should be our desire today. We should not wake up on Monday morning thinking, ooh, God, I hope somebody gives me glory today. But don't we do it, though? God, I really hope someone notices me today. Ooh, God, I hope someone, someone just compliments my outfit today. Ooh, God, I hope that somebody tells me uh, how I, just, just how great. You know, we, we, we can get tempted to do that. And, and, and yet, 
we should have the opposite. We should wake up and say, oh, God, I, I hope that somebody sees me and sees you through me and wants to know you more because that, that's the hope. Amen. Self on the shelf. Christ on the throne. Amen. Lord, do it through me. Live your life through me is the desire of, of Paul here in the Galatian chapter. But he doesn't stop his testimony at Galatians 1. He actually is continue writing. So Galatians 2, he's saying, hey, I, there's more to my story. Let's look at it here in chapter 2, verse 1. If you're ready, say ready. ready. Come on, if you're hungry, say let's eat. let's eat. Come on, turn me to Galatians 2, verse 1. It says, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to not, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. Verse number three, he continues, but even Titus who was with me was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. Verse five, to them, we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So Paul is continuing to tell us his testimony. He says, and, and people gave glory for me. And he goes, but then let me fast forward 14 years. And so sometimes when you're telling your story, you just got to just take a big jump. All right. He doesn't get caught up in the details. He says, I, have, I had a long discipleship track with a lot of different individuals. And then he caught a revelation that he felt led to go do something. And we're going to talk about that here in this sermon. I want to preach a message to you today that I'm simply titling, Don't Stop Running. Don't Stop Running. Come on, say it with me. Don't Stop Running. Get a little uncomfortable. Preach it to the person to your left. Don't Stop Running. Tell the person to your right. Don't Stop Running. Don't Stop Running. Physically and spiritually. Come on. Some of y'all are like, I never started running. <laughs> Don't worry. I, I haven't started yet. I'm good. Uh, message change. Start running. Right? No, no. Don't stop running. Paul, Paul, is, Paul is writing here to the Galatians. He's talking about running the race. He's talking about the race that God calls us as Christian brothers and sisters to run. This is a metaphor that Paul uses quite often in the New Testament. He, he uses this, this idea of running a race to the life of a disciple. Let's look at it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Here's what Paul says in verse 24. He talks about how, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. I love that. Paul's like, come on, be a winner, right? Go get it. Put some work in. I love when Paul uses athletic imagery to, to uh, uh, parallel the, the, the faith that we believe in. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. He says, 
I'm, I'm doing this with a purpose. I'm running this race with a purpose. In fact, he says here in Galatians 2, I did not run in vain. And that's what we're getting at here. Don't, don't stop running the race that God has called you to run. And if, you have, if, and if you're on the sidelines and you're just watching everybody else run the race, it's time for you to get in the game. I'm just putting it for the people in the back. Somebody, somebody's here and they love cheering Christians on. They're like, man, you got such a strong faith, man. I wish I could be like you. No, no, you, you got your own race and you could be great. You're just chilling. Somebody say, stop chilling. Stop chilling. Run the race. Come on, God's given all of us a race. You want to get to the finish line and you want to hear Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? You ran your race. What does Paul say to Timothy? And what many scholars believe the last letter that Paul wrote was to Timothy. And he says, I fought my fight. I ran my race. All of us want to get to that place where we can say, I ran my race. I wasn't on cruise control. I wasn't in chill mode. I wasn't a robot. I wasn't on autopilot. I was running my race. And God used me to do something great. This is what Paul is getting at here in Galatians chapter 2. I want to give you three points, some ideas, some tips out of this first start of the chapter, these first five verses, on how you can keep running, on how you can not just run the race, but how you can run well. All right, how you can run and how you can run with endurance. How you can, he says this, he says, run that you may obtain it. How do I run that I may obtain the prize? I'm gonna give you three thoughts out of Galatians 2 on how you can do it. Galatians 2 verse one says, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas taking Titus along with me. Everybody say this word. Come on, say it loud. With. with. I love the with here. He says, I went up again to Jerusalem, but this time I went with Barnabas, taking along with me Titus. Here's the point number one. Uh, don't run alone. Don't run alone. It's traveling. The word's traveling. Some of y'all are like, mm, okay, I receive it. Don't, don't run alone. Instead, run, say it with me, together. God calls us to run together. Uh, can I just tell you, Christianity is not a solo sport. Christianity is a team sport. You need the people in the, in the row with you. You need your brothers. You need your sisters. There's a togetherness that God calls us to. Don't, don't run alone. Instead, run together. And I just, I, I know that's going to cause some discomfort in some people because we're, we live in such an individualistic culture. I think over the years, maybe you've ever heard these different climates referred to as a warm climate and a cold climate. A warm climate is everybody loves everybody and we just talk all day and we eat from the same bowl and we just, you know, uh, that's a warmer climate. America's getting colder by the day. Cold climate is I pull up, I go in the garage, and I close it before I get out the house, car, right? I just, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to nobody. I got my headphones in while I'm eating with you. Cold. I'm not interested in you. And you're not interested in me, and so we're just not interested together. But, but, but we'll stay on social media and just be interested in everybody else. What? 
No. And y'all know what I'm talking about because we all do it in some ways, right? I fall into the trap my, myself. And that's why a message like this is a helpful nudge to make sure you're running together. Don't run alone. Paul says, I'm going to make this excursion. I'm going to make this trip up to Jerusalem. I got some, some messages to share. I got some people to meet. I'm not going to go by myself. I'm going to run together. Who modeled this the best? Jesus, Jesus did, right? Come on, what does Jesus do to start his ministry? He goes right to the boats. He looks right at guys like Peter, James, John, some of the disciples that get left out, Bartholomew, Thaddeus. <laughs> Those guys never get named. I don't know why, but they were part of the 12, even Judas, right? He says, you guys follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. This has always been communal. This is the way of the, the gospel. Don't run alone, but instead run Together, I want to remind you of a quick verse on the power of community. I, I, I don't think it ever gets old. Some people in here have driven by this verse before. In other words, you've seen it in the text, but you haven't really swam in it. And I just want to just remind you of it. It comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 through 12. Look at these verses with me. Ready? It says, two, well, come on, let's read it. Two are better than one. Pause. Right there. Right there, that part. Don't forget that. We're, well, I'm trying to give you some better content here today. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has another to lift him up. Look at the exclamation point. Up. Again. If two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, these are like legendary go-to verses for marriage ceremonies. But can I just tell you, it's good for church ceremony too. Like this is, I don't think that Ecclesiastes was necessarily, Solomon was even writing that in view of marriage. He, in, in fact, I think it's good for in view of marriage. I, I'm not saying it's not, but friend, it's for us. Yeah. Get some community around you. Yeah. D don't, don't run alone. Get in a charge group. We've got all types of charge groups meeting throughout the week. I'm hearing so many cool testimonies of how people are experiencing freedom through, through going to groups. Um, and I just think that a big part of my testimony of growing in my walk with Jesus has been through community. It's been through bringing other people with me or being invited to go along as well. And so don't be afraid of commitment. Don't be afraid of community. Don't be afraid of conversations. I don't want to go because then I might have to talk. What if God wants you to talk? I don't want to go because then I'm going to have what they might ask me to pray. What if God wants you to pray? I don't want to go because then I'm going to have to like, Bring something. What if God wants you to be generous and actually spend some money and do something uncomfortable? Yes, he is. Stop having such a comfortable, easy, breezy, lazy river Christianity where everybody, it's, it's all about you. I didn't really, I, I, I this, ah, my bad. If you got in some community, you might have to work it out. 
The reason why I think community is so important and powerful, it forces you to live out your faith. How, how can you forgive somebody that you never see? How can you pray for somebody? How can you confess your sin to somebody? Ooh, a very challenging verse in James 1 verse 15. If you never, if you never actually get around brothers and sisters, Paul says, I'm going to bring Titus with me and I'm going to bring Barnabas with me. The interesting thing about Paul's selection is in the text, in verse 1, let's look at Galatians 2, verse 1, one more time. We can put it up here on the screen. It says that, some context, it says, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas. Now, Barnabas was a well-known Jew who became a Messianic Jew. He became a follower of the Messiah. He, his Judaism was completed by his faith in the Messiah. Right? Every Jewish person is awaiting the Messiah. We just happen to believe he came. His name's Yeshua. Jesus, Christ is not his last name. Christ is his title. Jesus the Christ, which means the Messiah, the anointed one from God. That's Barnabas taking Titus along with me. Now, Titus is a Greek, an uncircumcised Gentile. And so Paul says, I'm bringing the best of both worlds with me. I'm not bringing just the people that are like me. I'm, I'm bringing somebody who's different ethnically, different racially, different uh, status than me and Barnabas. Barnabas is from a different group than Paul. Barnabas is known as the encourager. Paul is known as like the enforcer, right? Like Barnabas is like, slow down, Paul. You about to get jumped. <laughs> Like, bro, you, you going to get us killed up in here, man. <laughs> and Paul's like, come on, right? Let's go back. Barnabas is like, can we encourage the, the brethren? And yet Titus is like, man, this is wild. Like, I didn't grow up with none of this. Like, I, I grew up worshiping Artemis in, in Greek mythology. And yet God saved me. I have a but God moment. And Paul says, that's my crew. We're going up to Jerusalem. We're, growing, we're going up to the Holy Land, and we're going up together. Amen. And that's what I want to encourage you with. Just don't, don't run the race alone. It's better to run together. This isn't, this isn't the sprint. This isn't the 40-yard sprint to, toward the finish line. Um, this is the, we, what's that great line in the Jungle Book? I'm trying this for the first time. I, I won't, I'm not sure if I'll use it in the 11 o'clock service. The, the strength of the wolf is the pack, and the Strength of the pack is the wolf, right? Something like that. From, I'm, a di- I'm, I'm, I'm a dad of toddlers, all right? I watch these things. In other words, the, right? The, you, you're, you're stronger together, right? I hope you're watching March Madness. This is a team sport. And I love to see these teams celebrate together. It's the coach and the assistant coach and the assistant assistant coach and the players on the bench and the players in the game. And it's a better together mentality, I was listening to an interview uh, of an NBA basketball player um, by the last name Jokic. He plays for the, uh, the, the, the Denver Nuggets, and they were interviewing him the other day, and, and they interviewed him, and they said, hey, what would you rather do? Would you rather score a basket or have an assist? And he said, I'd rather have an assist. And they said, why? He says, because both win. I win and he wins. Amen. I love that mentality. Yeah. Dang. I think I might have went for the basket. <laughs> right? But it was a good point. Thinking, hey, I'm not just thinking about me. I'm thinking about him. Think about her. I want us both to get, a, get on the stat sheet. 
That's Christianity. Paul says, I'm bringing up Barnabas and Titus. If you got to say, I got it. Okay, let's keep on going. Uh, the, the text continues. He says, I went up because of a revelation set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. This is what Paul writes to the Galatians here. He says, he says so after 14 years, I, I, I got a revelation. Now, we don't know what that exactly looked like. It could have been spirit-led. It could have been a, a prayer moment. He, he could have been impressed by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever felt impressed to do something by the Lord. You felt like God gave you a nudge to do something. I need to go somewhere. I need to go talk to this person. Paul had a spirit-led revelation that was before him, but we just don't know the exact details of it. And so he goes, you know what? I need to go to Jerusalem, and I need to share about the work that God's doing. And here's what he does. He says, I went privately before those who seemed influential. In other words, he said, I set up a meeting with the leaders. He went to Jerusalem and arguably or probably he found Peter, the disciple who walked on water. He found James, the brother of Jesus. He found John, the beloved disciple. He found the leaders that were leading the church in Jerusalem. You got to read the book of Acts to see when Jesus ascended into heaven, what happened? Well, there was the church. It was us. And then we went out on mission and there was leaders that led the New Testament church. And Paul goes, I feel impressed. I need to go talk to those brothers. And so he goes, let me find the most influential. Who's, who seems influential? They were like, oh, go talk to the pastor. And Paul sets up a meeting. And he went up to share about the gospel that he proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. And I think this is an interesting thought. The word vain, by definition, put it up here on the screen, the word vain just simply means producing no result, useless. Now, I don't think that Paul is questioning the gospel he preached. I think he's questioning the breadth of ministry that he's been doing for the past 14 years. He, he, he doesn't want the church in Jerusalem, which is kind of like the hub of where all the ministry activity started, and everything was kind of flowing out of Jerusalem, Paul goes, I don't want those brothers to think I'm running in vain down here. And so I want to go ahead and let them know of what God is doing. And I'm going to bring Barnabas as an evidence, and I'm going to bring Titus almost as a test case to show what God has been up to. My work has not been useless. It's not producing no result. In fact, I brought Titus with me. You can ask him about what we're doing. And I just want to encourage you with this second point. The first one was don't run alone. The second one is don't, don't run in vain. Don't run in vain. Here's what I put, run wise. How can you know that you're not running in vain? Are you running the race wisely? Um, something that I think what Paul does here that's really wise is he gets some counsel. What is the apostle Paul doing here? He's seeking wise counsel. He's saying, hey, guys, here's what I'm doing. Here's the, in fact, here's the, can I just tell you how I imagine this moment? This is how I imagine it. I imagine Paul goes, he sets up a meeting. It's Peter, James, and John. It's almost like an American Idol moment. Can you see like Peter, James, and John at the judges table? And here's the apostle Paul. And Paul goes, all right, I'm gonna preach the gospel to y'all. Tell me how I did. 
And Paul preaches the gospel. And here's what he says. He says, Jesus plus nothing equals enough. And Paul's waiting to see if they add a plus sign. Well, he got a lot of it right, but he forgot the part about circumcision. That's what Paul wants to know. Why is that important? Well, because in the Old Testament, specifically in the book of Genesis, and then in the rest of the five books of the the Pentateuch, right, you find these important books, Genesis, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, these five books, most would believe that Moses authored majority of them, right? Describe the, the, the importance of circumcision, which was done to male Jewish boys to signify that they were God's people, that they were God's chosen people, that this was a, a mark of faith. This was a mark of their story. You got to go back and read more about it in the Old Covenant. It's a very important piece. And so now what do we do with Titus? who grew up completely different. And that's what Paul's arguing for because the Galatian church is filled with Tituses. And so is the Las Vegas church. Come on, somebody, right? And so what, how does the gospel, Paul's saying, Peter, James, John, to those who are influential up in Jerusalem where it started, this is what I'm preaching down in Galatia. And that's what he's saying. I wanted to, to seek some, some counsel. And let me just say, that's how you cannot run in vain. Don't run in vain. Get run wise. If you're unsure about something, I just want you to get that principle. Ask some questions. Uh, say, hey, here's, here's my thought. Here's what I believe about this. I love when people say, hey, Hayden, I'm working out some things theologically. Here's what I'm thinking. What, do you, what, what does this look like biblically? Should I do this? Should I not do that? You're seeking counsel. That's wise. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 11. I'll Put it up here so you can see it if you want to take some notes. Proverbs 11. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in abundance of counselors, there's safety. Hello. If you don't got any guidance, you're destined to fall. If you think you're prideful and smart enough, I don't need coaching. I don't need guidance. You're, gonna, you're about to fall. Just saying. It's high school students, listen up. Y'all think y'all got it like that. You don't. You need guidance. You don't just need counsel. You need an abundance of counselors. Come on. That's how there's safety. There's safety in decision making. There's safety in wisdom. There's safety in getting it right. Don't you want to get it right? In other words, Paul is saying, hey, I want to go up there to make sure I'm not running in vain. Let me just make sure I got it right. Paul, Paul was confident he got it right. He's confident in the gospel that he preached, but he wanted them to know what he's preaching. I don't want to run in vain. Let me give you another proverb. Proverbs chapter 15. He, he continues in this thought. Solomon says it like this. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. I know that I'm probably around some people today that want their plans to succeed. They want their marriage to succeed. You, you want your business to succeed. You want your church to succeed. Part of my other dual role here is as the Send Network Director for Church Planning in our city. I meet with church planners all the time and I always say, slow down. You're moving too fast. You got to get some advisors around you so you can succeed. What you don't want to do is have a uh-oh moment. Oh, uh-oh. I got I to gotta, I gotta back out of this thing right now. 
I move too fast, right? Maybe you heard this phrase, haste makes mistakes. And, and I think there's a lot of wisdom that I think you can just practically apply here. Don't be too prideful to seek advice, to ask some questions, to get some counsel, to seek some wisdom. In fact, that is how you succeed. I, I want to encourage everybody in this room to succeed. Don't, don't destine yourself for failure by doing it alone. I just want to encourage you that you're just not smart enough. I want to encourage you with that. You're just not. One of the, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the wonderful counselor. You, you telling me you don't need him? We need counsel. Counsel is just wisdom and information that help you think through things. And so I just want to encourage you that this, this is some of what Paul is trying to get the Galatians to, to think through, to understand, so that they don't run the race that God's put before them in vain. That you're not running uselessly. You're not running pridefully. Look at, look at the text with me in Galatians 2 one more time. I just want to look at uh, verses, just verse 2 one more time, just so you can see the detail of the, the scripture. It says, I went up because of a revelation set before them. I set up the meeting. We got the American Idol panelist there, the, the gospel uh, correctors, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. He's saying, I'm preaching this good news gospel to, to Gentiles. What, what is a Gentile? A Gentile is a non-Jewish person. So I just want to go ahead and just remind you of some things that we believe as Christians. I'm under the impression that there's some people here that would claim to be believers and you don't even know what you believe <laughs> because you've been told a part of Jesus in the Christian faith, but there's a whole like left side of your Bible called the OT, the Old Testament. You'll never appreciate the New Testament until you understand the Old Testament. Do you know how many times Jesus says the words, it is written? All over the place. But we don't know what's written. And so it's important to understand what was written, where our heritage comes from, from the Jewish faith, to get a, a full understanding of the good news gospel. Here's why. Here's why. Because at this moment, there was a lot of Jewish people, God's chosen people throughout history, that were uneasy about letting Gentiles in all of a sudden. It's like, whoa. We had a nice Jewish, even Messianic Jewish, we believe in Jesus as the Messiah. We had a cool service going until the Greeks came in. Greeks go worship there. And all of a sudden, we can start having this ethnic racial tension within the church. And, and Paul says, no, I'm bringing the gospel into that. The good news gospel makes its way right into the to middle of that. And we've all, we all fall short at the foot of the cross. Amen? We all land at the foot of the cross and we all have the same title, sinner. Regardless of your color, nationality, background, past, upbringing, we all have a former, a former right? And then there's the but God moment. And Paul is trying to reconcile Titus and 
Barnabas. And so I, I, I would imagine at some point in this private meeting with the leaders who seemed influential, Paul says, come on, come on, come on up here, Titus. Tell him your testimony. And here's this cat named Titus who's probably dressed different and has a different hairstyle. And there's maybe even this conviction to look down upon him because he's different. And here's what Titus, I could imagine, shares. I grew up worshiping pagan lowercase g gods. I was selling handmade things in the temple over here and I was trying to work for my father's business. And one day this cat Paul showed up at my stand and he took my little wooden creation and he told me about a wooden cross. And he began to speak about this guy named Jesus, Yeshua, who came to die for my sins and rise from the grave triumphantly, defeating death, sin, and hell. And he said, the only thing that I have to do to, to, to receive that is to, by faith, put my trust in this Savior named Jesus. And he would fill me with his Holy Spirit. I would turn away from all the sins that I knew, and I would begin pursuing a new relationship with the God of eternity. And, 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 the, and here's Titus sharing that. And I wonder if Peter said, and, and what'd you do? And he said, I did. I I repented. I put my faith in this Christ. I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I've been following him for the last decade. And now I'm an apprentice under Paul. I'm about to plant another church. And I wonder if Peter were like, is this okay? Is this, is this doable? And maybe they were reminded of Jesus' words in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, which he said, now you go make disciples of all nations, nations. baptizing, teaching, and behold, I'll be with you. And and maybe they were reminded of Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and he he says, but now you go to Samaria, Judea, and into all the earth. Not just, don't just hang around here in Jerusalem. Don't just hang around and find people that look like you and talk like you. He said, go to Samaria. Go, come on, don't just, don't just hang around the south part of Las Vegas. Go to the east part of Las Vegas. Go to the north part. Go, go to Henderson and Old Henderson. Go all around the city. Go all around the globe with the good news gospel. And you'll find Titus. You'll find Haydn's. And you'll find your story. You'll find my, my brother, Andrew, who's, who's Messianic Jew, and his wife, Angie. Come to know Yeshua as the Messiah. You'll go to Samoa and find believers there. You, you, you'll go to the Philippines and find believers there. You'll go to Mexico and find Spanish-speaking believers. Come on, the gospel has, is no respecter of persons. Right? The gospel makes its way into every culture and climate. And th- that's how you can know if you're running in vain or not. Are you racist? You're running in vain. The gospel has to work on that in you. Are you prejudiced? Are you, do you look down upon poor people? The gospel still has some work to do in you. Can you hang around the Greeks and the Jews? If not, the gospel still has got work to do in you. This is what Paul was trying to get the Jerusalem church to see. In fact, I think Paul was checking, are y'all running in vain? 
Just making sure. Because you'll see here, Paul starts calling people out. <laughs> the people that were up top there. To make sure, he's checking everybody's gospel. Is it Jesus plus nothing? Or is it Jesus plus that leads me to my third and final point. All right, third and final point. First point is don't run alone. Second point is don't run in vain. Third point is this, don't run with shackles. Don't run with shackles, run free, run free. I don't know if you are a studier of track, running races. Um, I, 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 love, I love sports, so I love watching athletics, but I, what, I, what I've found is when it comes to people that run, they try to run as light as possible. I remember talking to one of our UNLV athletes a few years back, and she was getting ready for her senior season. She was a sprinter, and she said, the most important thing when I go run is to make sure that I'm as light as possible. From the shoes I wear, to the, sh to, to the outfit, to everything about me, I just want to run free. And that's, that's true for us. Make sure that when you're running this race as a Christian, that you're not running with shackles on, that you're not running with plus signs, that you're not running with, I have to do this. I have to earn that. You know what that's called? It's called legalism. Legalism is kind of a fancy term where you have to add requirements in order to be saved, in order to be free. This is what was going on in the Jerusalem church because there were different individuals with all types of different perspectives and opinions and upbringings trying to influence the gospel that they were preaching. They're adding shackles to what Jesus set us free from. And it could be even good things. Can I say that? Notice what happens in Acts chapter 15. I'll just show you verses one and two, Acts chapter 15. So we're in Galatians 2. Jump over to the book of Acts to see some stuff happening in the real time. Acts 15. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. So you got somebody preaching Jesus plus nothing equals enough. And somebody in the back goes, not true. Not true. And everybody goes, oh. We come from Judea. We're the real Jews. Unless you're circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you can't be saved. You can put your faith in Jesus. He's the Savior, but you got to also have this. So after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension, in other words, <laughs> they, had a, they had an argument. <laughs> Paul, had, Paul had no small dissension and debate with them. Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So you can read in the book of Acts chapter 15, they had a whole Jerusalem council come together. What are we going to decide? Do we make the Gentile people become Jewish first and then become Christian? Or are they able to become Christian through faith in Jesus because Jesus, we believe, fulfilled the old covenant law? And so they had a whole discussion and they realized Jesus is enough. Amen. Now that didn't please everybody. There was still a lot, Jerusalem was a hotbed for legalism. 
shackles. Make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Believe in Jesus, but make sure you also, this is what's happening in verse three. Galatians chapter two, verse three through five. We'll close with this final point. It says, but even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised. It's a huge verse. It's a huge verse. For the Bible nerds, huge verse. Though he was a Greek. In other words, Peter, James, and John at the American Idol table didn't force him to be circumcised. They said, sounds like a powerful... Could you imagine if I had a fifth chapter to the testimony? Every Christian has to have five chapters. Number one, former life. Number two, a but God moment. Number three, a circumcision moment. <laughs> Number four, right? Like, no, it's not in there. So he was not forced to do that. That was huge confirmation for Paul. That was huge confirmation for Titus. Verse four, yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom. Notice that language. We want to spy out. Are they, man, these people are like really free. We out here trying to live all 613 laws to the T. We can't even move. We got so many shackles on. I messed up again. Oh, I messed up again. Oh, I messed up. I got to go. I got to go sacrifice an animal. Wait, wait. Jesus is the sacrifice. So wait, did he cover all my, all my sins? All of them. Whoa. They slipped and despite our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. Why are you trying to bring us back into slavery, dude? To them, listen to what Paul says, we did not for a moment yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved by you. In other words, you might teach this freedom gospel to your kids too. It's important that you, you run the race and you don't have shackles on. Hey, can I just tell you something? I think if we're not careful, we hear a message like this and think, man, that, that was good like church history in Bible times. But can I tell you it happens today? And it has to do with the heart. It has to do with the heart. We still think in certain groups, maybe, there's a plus sign. If you, if you ever want to look at the, there's a, there's, a, there's a Christianity sect that I would say is not part of the actual Christian faith that we believe in. It's called the Seventh-day Adventists. Seventh-day Adventists would say, we believe in Jesus. We believe he's the Lord. We believe he's the Savior. We just added a plus sign. Plus the Sabbath and plus the food laws. As long as we eat the dietary laws and as long as we keep the Sabbath on a specific day and we don't celebrate birthdays. <laughs> I just thought, like you start adding. Whoa, where did the additions come from? If you have a seven-day Adventist background, what I'm not trying to do is, is, is shade you in any way. I'm just trying to say, don't add a plus. Make sure that that gospel matches with this gospel, that you don't add things. Can I tell you, I've talked to people before that have told me this. This might make somebody in here uncomfortable. I would be glad to sit down and have a conversation with you about it. And let's conversate with the Bible open. I've had people tell me this before. Hey, Pastor Hyden, you know that, you know that Jesus is the Savior, right? Only he can save you. But you got to speak in tongues. Once you speak in tongues, then, then you'll really be saved. So what you just, that was just your spiced up version of legalism. And it's not that speaking in tongues is a bad thing. 
It's a gift from the Holy Spirit. It just doesn't add to the gospel. I remember when I was in Kentucky coaching college basketball. It's part of a church. And one day the pastor said, hey, hey, Hayden, you know that it's not just Christ that saves you. It's Christ plus baptism that saves you. And I said, respectfully, I disagree with that because that's a work on my part to get in the water. And I can't earn my salvation. Even something that's good as baptism, right? I'm not saying baptism and spiritual gifts, but do you know that there's whole denominations that say you're only born again unless you speak in, wait, what? I thought born again happens through faith in Christ and Christ alone. Now spiritual gifts come through faith in Christ, but, but spiritual gifts aren't equal to faith in Christ. What I'm trying to say, I'm trying to make it practical for today. You might be around some people. You might, you, you might have a moment like this. Hey, man, so you're in, you're in your community because you're trying to live out the sermon. You're like, all right, I'm going to get around some believers. We're going to go to lunch afterwards. All right. And you're at lunch and you're like, man, I was watching the March Madness game last night. And then somebody goes, I sold my TV a long time ago. And everybody goes, well, well, I suck. You know, gee, I was watching. I was, I don't, I shouldn't tell you what I was watching last night. Right. And, and all of a sudden the room shifts and he goes, yeah, psh, I don't watch that stuff. I'm a real Christian. <laughs> and then everybody else goes, man, I, I actually like watching stuff. I feel, I feel terrible. Why do you feel terrible? Because here goes the legalism. We start, uh, yeah, I don't cuss. I don't, I, don't, I don't do that. I don't do that other stuff. What we start adding, my, my final reality statement, oh, I, I, gotta, I gotta end. I just get, I'm passionate about talking about this because we live in it. We wanna, we wanna earn, we wanna add. Um, here's my reality statement. To get off the performance track and get on the freedom track. That's my, that's my push to you. Brothers and sisters, to, to, to fight against the, the need to perform as if God is the judge with the clipboard. I got to perform. I better perform today or I might not get paid. I better perform today. I better prophesy today. I got to lead five people. I got to share my faith. For... Man, you adding a whole lot of weight to the race that he's called us to run. The race is a race of freedom. Paul is saying people were sent into the Galatian church to spy out our freedom. We're running the race free. And Jesus along the race is doing stuff through us. But what we're not doing is behavior cleanup. Just like, man, I'm just, just trying to stop sinning. <laughs> you ain't going to get far like that. You're too sinful. Look at these words in Colossians 2. Colossians 2, Colossians 2. We got him up here on the screen. Notice what he says. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle. Don't touch that. Do not taste. Don't eat that. Do, do, do not, uh, do, don't touch. Referring to the things that are all perish as they are used. According to human precepts and teachings. Watch this. Next verse. If we got the next one. 
These have indeed an appearance of wisdom. You ever see people? People want to look Christian. Jesus goes, when you go to pray, you don't got to go up to the front and pray loud. So everybody goes, he's really Christian. As if praying loud adds to this. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom promoting self-made religion and asceticism um, and, and severity to the body. But listen, let me just say this loud. Let me just say this so loud that it annoys you. They are of no value in stopping the flesh. All your shackles of religiosity and trying really hard, oh, they don't help the flesh. Jesus does that. That's why I'm going to keep pushing you back to him. You can't set yourself free by enough shackles. You're still going to be craving and sinning. You might just be doing it up here and in here. But you look Christian. Can I tell you that he looks at the heart? And Jesus wants to transform you from the inside to where you, you walk past stuff without any shackles on. I don't even want that anymore. I'm so free. I'm so free. I'm running the freedom track, not the performance track. That's the gospel that the Galatians needed. That's the gospel that we need. Amen. That's what we need. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That's what we need. That's what we need. Lord, help us to work it out. It's deep. It's challenging. It's not easy. It's easy to add. Um, But God, we don't need to add. You have done it all. Jesus, when you said it is finished, you meant it. It is finished. So Lord, we today breathe and we run free and we run focused. And Jesus, if there's somebody here today that's under the law or that's under the flesh that needs to be saved, right now I want to give you an invitation to put your faith in Christ. To build your foundation on him. If you today recognize you're a sinner and you recognize you're in need of a savior, would you just lift your hand right now? Just want to identify with you. Maybe the Lord is setting you free just right now in this moment. Just just you and the Lord. Just put your hand up. Touch him. He's here. God, I pray for every individual here in the room that has their hand up right now that's ready to receive. God, I pray that you would you would lock fingers with them right now and just say, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I died for your sins. I died for your additions. I died for your shackles. And God, would you release freedom into their lives right now? And would you respond with a prayer? And maybe you would just even pray with me right now and just say, Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to be free. Forgive me of my sins, my past sins, my present sins, my future sins, all of them. Take all of them and fill me with your Holy Spirit that I would walk in forgiveness and walk in power. I repent, I turn from my sins, and I turn to you. I'm on the freedom track. Thank you for your death. Thank you for your resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.